Well, welcome to whatever this is. You know your eyes do not deceive you. Your ears also do not deceive you. This is a podcast where two guys sit down and discuss, well, whatever this is. My name is Kyle, and I'm talking with Grant, 21 films in the making tingly. Yeah, man. (laughs) We've been off for a while, mostly because I'm bad at scheduling my time. Uh, Well, you're a busy man. I have a very, very little time to do anything anymore, so... um, Whatever this is, is one of those things that I think we'll come back to occasionally, but may not be on any type of actual schedule anymore uh, until I make a million dollars, and then it won't matter what I do at that point. Well, I mean, we'll uh, we'll come back for the important things, like James Bond. Yeah, right. Let's count all the James Bonds. Uh, that, uh, that actually excites me. Do, do we know who's the director yet? Has um, that been announced? No, I think there is a director. Yeah, I just can't remember who it is. But Rami Malek as or Rami Malek as the villain actually does get me pretty excited. Yeah, I I mean the guy and Mr. I mean, all he has to do is be like Mr. Robot a little bit yeah. and he's good to go. He has to be like himself and it's gonna be <sighs> fine. Uh today what we're gonna be doing is kind of a really in-depth thing of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, something that's been around now for eleven years. Uh because Endgame came out, and because both Grant and I watched it last night, and because I'm desperate to talk to uh, talk about it with somebody, that's what basically this episode is going to be. But before we get there, we're going to actually count down a list of how we would rank the 21 other Marvel films in the MCU, and then we'll talk about where we place Endgame into that list after we talked about that film. Uh, so I think we'll just go back and forth. Let's go. Uh, let's get right into it, right, uh, Grant? So, uh, 21. What's your 21 <laughs> spot film, would you say? Jeez. I, you know, I told you the, the friend asked me the questions before yes. we started recording. She just texted me another question. Oh, was like, it, what, what's, what's the question? Oh, hang on. I just closed it. Um, uh, does Doctor Strange go back and change something? <laughs> oh, my God. What? Yeah, just ruin the whole film for her right now. I'm just like, geez. What she finally Maybe just, you should just, yeah, respond back to her with like really dumb questions like who's Doctor Strange? <laughs> I'm just I just basically said, you know, waited until she she just texts me back again and she says, I'll just wait to see it. Yeah. I'm like, good. Uh, okay. Anyways, yeah. twenty one. Oh, I I keep closing my phone. <clears throat> I'm 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 pretty confident we're gonna have the same number twenty one, but maybe surprise me, Grant. What's number twenty one on your list? For the Dark World. Oh, wow. Okay, so you are going to shock me. <laughs> okay, why Thor the Dark World? Why is that the worst Marvel film? It's just so boring. It is. It's not a very good film. I, I'm, I'm not going to be here to to defend it uh, in, in any conceivable way, although I actually do prefer it over Thor. So there you go. Well, you're wrong. I am wrong. What, um, Yeah, I, I, I don't like- want to belabor the point. It is a boring movie. I think... Uh, I rewatched it. I think it's the third or fourth time I've actually watched that movie, according to Letterbox. And every time uh, I see that movie, it's just like it feels like a bit of a chore to get to every scene. It's like just okay, let's just get to the end or something, because uh, I don't think they had really figured out how do you store properly in his own movie yet. And it's and it the even the climactic climactic battle was just so boring. Yeah. Like nothing, yeah. It's just it's not very well thought out. Everyone thought it was going to be like this really uh, evolution of the Thor character because he had Alan Taylor coming over from uh, Game of Thrones as the director, and it, yeah, it just is kind of a nothing movie to me. 
I think the and worst I, part about that too, for me, uh, tell me if you agree, is that um, this was something that plagued, I thought, a lot of the early Marvel films too, which was like characters being killed off, but I, I haven't really had any reason to attach myself to those characters. And in this one, it's his mother. Like there's this nothing about that scene that resonates for me because it's like, well, I, she's had five lines in these two movies. What? There's there's nothing there for me. Well, I think that the the problem with those early Marvel movies is they didn't know a lot about what was to come. So in Thor, they probably didn't know they were going to kill off his mom. No, I, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. And I think actually the more I think about this and some of the podcasts I've been listening to and things I've been reading, um, I mean, Kevin Feige has now called this the Infinity Saga. That's what he wants to refer to these like first 22 films as is the Infinity Saga. And even though there were like little hints and things like there, and I know that from even Iron Man, they thought that this is what they wanted to do is have this like overarching story that lasted over a few years is that remember back in 2008, 2009 and 2010, this was not a sure thing yet. This was not like the powerhouse. This is not like guaranteed. This movie is going to make at least $300 million and probably a billion dollars. If it has more than one of the Avengers in it, uh, it just was not a sure thing yet. And so they were only kind of linking these movies together. Uh, it's not until I think like the last 10, which are like, they're very clearly linking together. One leads into the next, even if only slightly, but there is definitely this connective tissue that you started to really feel in the last half that in the first half feels pretty disjointed. The only thing that we got in the, in the, <clears throat> sorry, I have a little phlegmy throat today. Um, the only thing that really they did in the first half of these movies was Easter eggs. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, like on on the map when uh, Sam Jackson is talking to Tony Stark, uh, they have the circle around Wakanda. You know, they have the circle in the middle of the ocean for, you know, for Namor. Yeah. They had like they just had Easter eggs for nerdy people. And, you know, it didn't they probably didn't even know for sure they were going to make Black Panther back then. They were just. Yeah. Saying that he exists in this universe. There you go. But by the way, remind me of that Namor comment here later on because I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory. Um, okay, so for my number twenty-one, uh, this is going to be no surprise for most people that that know me. Uh, it's The Incredible Hulk. I think that movie is actually a bad movie. It is a bad, bad film. But I, the thing about The Incredible Hulk, where Thor: The Dark World didn't have it, I did enjoy the final battle. And, it's, I mean, it's and, fine. I mean, I wish that they had brought some of those characters back, even if it was just lip service. I mean, I guess they did with General Ross, right? He does come back eventually. But, um, like, Liv Tyler is, like, never even referred to ever again in in the films. Uh, and then, um, oh, gosh, what's his face? The Abomination? Yeah. Or, sorry, not the Abomination, but um, uh, the guy that helps him out, who's basically going to become Brainiac, is it drops oh, into his head? <clears throat> Right, uh, Whatever, Samuel like, Stearns. Yeah, but what's his? What's the actual actor's name? Uh, now I now you lost me. I Anyways, remember that, the character somehow. Yeah, no, doesn't really matter. Anyways, that there was very obviously in that movie a, a, a setup for future films that just never happened. But so, the leader, the leader was primarily a Hulk villain. So right. trying, trying to you know, without being able to make a Hulk movie, it was tough to bring him back. Yeah, and but I, I mean, know. That apparently there's some rights issue there where they couldn't actually make a, a solo Hulk film after that one. Yeah. Anyway, it was, it's weird. 
But they could have, they could have, uh, you know how they brought uh, Crossbones back at the beginning of Age of Ultron? Yeah. They, or was that Civil War? That was Civil War. Sorry, yeah, it came back at Civil War. One of these Captain So America it's movies. like, you can, you can, you could have brought him back in that capacity as like the cold open villain yeah. that they're doing. Or even, you know, there's ways to do it where it didn't have to be just the, a, a Hulk movie. But I think that's where they got stuck. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely looking at like the first three films, right? You go through like um, Iron Man, which spoiler alert is very high up on my list, and then you follow that up with Incredible Hulk, which is my worst film, and you follow that up with Iron Man Two, which I'm not huge on. Like the the early days of Marvel, and then I mean the original Thor movie. Like again, a lot of these are like there there was no guarantee that these were going to be billion dollar films going forward. But what I do think, even through the bad films. Um, I think Incredible Hulk being the only exception to this, in my opinion, but every other one, even the bad Marvel films, uh, I respect the casting. Whoever is the casting director on these films nails it. Like they get the exact right people for these roles. And so I want to see them uh, go forward. Are well, yeah, you, uh, are you Googling be... the casting director of Marvel films? No. Okay. Uh, I was Googling uh, the Incredible Hulk because I figured right. I should might as well do that. And uh, find out what that guy's name is. It's on the tip of my tongue because I, I really like that actor a lot. Yeah, he was in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix. He's no Country for of, Old Men. Bunch of Coen Brothers. Oh, not that one. Not that one. The, uh, no, he was uh, in um, uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou. That's the one that I was trying to say. He's not even on the starring list. That's weird. <laughs> why did uh, why why does Wikipedia not do organize better? Who knows? Tim Blake Nelson. Yes, thank you. Tim Blake Nelson. Uh, thank you. Our national emergency is now over. Okay, uh, number 20 for you, Grant. See, this will surprise you too. Maybe. Thor. No, Thor is exactly number 20 for me as well. So uh, for, for why, why is it number 20 for you? Again, it was just so boring. The only reason I, I moved it up one slot was essentially because I, I appreciate the origin stories. Yeah, the origin stories are fun. I mean, I think, again, I don't think anyone, not even, I'll even make a bold statement here. I don't think even Taika Waititi, who did Thor 3, who gets a lot of credit for uh, infusing a lot of energy into the into the Thor films, um, really ever knew what to do with the surrounding characters of the Thor universe, which is too bad, because the Warriors 3 is fun. Um, oh my gosh. Uh, Lady... Something Lady Sif. Lady Sif is awesome, but they never ever you really utilize them a whole lot. And there's a lot of lore up in um in Asgard and stuff like that. But yeah, like the original Thor, it feels a little bit hokey. I don't think like it looks um not that great. It it's Shakespearean in a bad way. Yeah, like and and basically I, I high, this, high school Shakespeare. Yeah, and I mean I, I I harp on this so many times, but that first Thor movie feels so empty to me. Like there's supposed to be like these thousands of people that live in Asgard, but when you go into the palace and stuff like that, it's just like completely empty. So you yeah. have like one person sitting on a throne, and then you go outside, and there's like two people walking around. Um, something that I didn't really realize until someone actually pointed this out on another podcast I was listening to is that 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 was something that specifically Joss Whedon was really good at. He filled his places, both Avengers and Avengers two 
with people outside. And that's actually something that even the Russo brothers haven't really focused on. Like, remember in Civil War when they're at the in the airport, which, like, four people are inside that airport when they're, like, flying around and stuff like that, yeah, whereas Joss Whedon really infused there being a surrounding crowd and seeing what their reactions were. It clearly looked like they closed the airport to film in there. Right, exactly. <clears throat> um, so I don't know. I don't know what that's about, but it always kind of takes me out of the, out of the action a bit. Um, number 19 for you. Incredible Hulk. Okay, this is where I put Thor: The Dark World. So, uh, so our bot, like you, you said, our bottom three are probably going to be the same. So. Yeah, they're same, just in a slightly different order. Uh, number eighteen for you, um, Iron Man two. Okay, interesting. Uh, this is where I put Ant Man for myself. But let's uh, let's talk to you about Iron Man two first. Why is this? Uh, well, at, at, at this 18? point, you know, the bottom three, you know, are pretty set in stone for me. You know, yeah. the top three were pretty set in stone when I made this list. But now we get to this part where I could easily move Iron Man up a bunch of spots. Iron, you know, I could, you know, Iron Man 2 is just, it could go up and up uh, if it, if I was in a different mood than when I made the list. Well, I know that, like, critical reception is on our side here, where Iron Man 2 is not really that highly regarded. Um, I will just say anecdotally that I have so many people in my life who love Iron Man 2. Uh, they think it's Iron Man three that's like the really bad film of the of the three, and I very strongly disagree for many different reasons. Yeah, um, so do I. But I uh, for Iron Man two for me is that I actually love a lot of it. Like there's some really interesting. Well, Justin things. Hammer was the highlight. Of oh, that movie. I know. And again, another character that I wish they would bring back, and I hope they actually bring back eventually. I think it would be interesting. Uh, especially as the Spider-Man universe continues on, if they could somehow involve Justin Hammer in that somehow, I think there'd be an interesting dynamic that you could utilize for that. Um, so yeah. he's great. I actually love the um, uh, oh, what's the right word? The um, the filming that John Favreau does. I I don't think he gets enough credit for really establishing the feel of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but I think that. It, it, it's really good on display here. Uh, I, I love some of the interplay between Tony and, and other people. Uh, I really do not like the villain in this movie. No. I think he's a lame villain that doesn't really need to be the central conflict here. Even though it's filmed well and there's this menace that's behind him, I just uh, I wish they had, had found a way to make Justin Hammer be a little bit more threatening, even though that he's not a great... Um, technician himself i think that he would have been a more interesting villain the entire way through uh the, uh, and the the issue that i have a lot with the uh, the villain and the battles and all that stuff is it seemed very samesies to the first movie it's just like oh, okay another robot guy cool you know and um the motivation even though i kind of kind of understand it a little bit but i I mean, going after, I always think it's weird when you go out, take revenge on somebody's son for the transgressions of the father. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like what? And especially now that I, you know, Iron Man is trying to repent for a lot of the sins of him and his father. Right. I guess maybe that's what they're, they're trying to do. Maybe that's the, the message or the metaphor that they're trying to play around with is that the sins of the father come back to be given to the son. But, uh, I don't know. That's not that's not what makes Tony Stark interesting. Yes, the relationship with his father will become a central conflict throughout the rest of the films. But this was I don't know. It, it, I don't think it was handled the best. I will say one of my favorite scenes though of all the Marvel films is when 
that stupid moving statue thing on the desk that he like just takes and throws away. Uh, because I remember watching in the theaters and like, are they really going to film this scene with that really annoying <laughs> uh, thing moving back and forth? And so right, I was right. so glad when he was like, no, just like stop and throw it away. Um, Ant-Man is for my number 18 and kind of for the same reasons that you've been talking about Thor with, I don't think this is a particularly fun movie. There's some fun spots. Like obviously uh, Paul Rudd is is good. Like I, I love watching him and I think his relationship with his daughter uh, is great. And Michael Pena is phenomenal in this film, but this honestly feels like a 1990s film but made in the 2000s. It just feels so weird with the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the the, the two Ant-Man films that, that, are, that are out there. Um, it, uh, yeah, it just, for, for me, having rewatched it here again just recently, just underscored the fact that there's like two cool scenes and then the rest of it is I find a bit tedious to get through. Well, I think the characters are really good in this movie. I agree too. Like again, <clears throat> casting director, phenomenal. I just don't find the movie at all that interesting. But yeah, but I mean, I mean, like the interplay between all the characters works really well, in my opinion. The relationships they develop works really well. I mean, the the motivation of uh, Hank Pym in making Scott Lang Ant Man's kind of weird. Sure, like how he even figured out. Yeah, like he's been scouring these newspapers to find like the best burglar so that he can like coax him out to steal his suit like it just seems like a weird plan <laughs> yeah. to, to to put into execution and somehow it actually worked but i mean uh, i i, I would have just i would have just been more happy with the fact if hank just would have walked up and asked him mm-hmm. instead of doing this elaborate trap yeah which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense no um but they needed to fill the movie with something yeah how about 17 what's number 17 for you uh age of ultron Whoa! Oh, I'm gonna have a bit of a debate with you then. Uh, I I have this way higher <laughs> up in my but, list. But now, now again, I'm getting to these movies that I like. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, I I I don't dislike Iron Man two. Mm-hmm. It's just the feeling of the samesies. Uh, uh, Age of Ultron. I like it, and I've watched it several times. And I I've never like I don't I, think, I think I've we- seen Thor: The Dark World twice. I think it's taught once. Oh no, I did a I did a Marvel MCU rewatch mm-hmm. at some point, so I have seen it twice. But other than that, I don't have any desire to ever see it again. No, yeah. Whereas I, Age I, Voltron, I definitely want to see again. And I think you know the fact that Hawkeye is becoming cooler and becoming um, more developed. You know yeah. that I love myself some Hawkeye. So, so. I, I'll say this: the bottom four that I've already mentioned <clears throat> uh, are films that. I will probably never intentionally ever watch again. Uh, the next four are going to be ones that I'll, I might pop on or, or watch if I'm doing a rewatch or something like that. Uh, but again, they're not going to be my first choices. Uh, and then everything after that is like, yeah, I'll rewatch this anytime <laughs> if you want to, if you want to actually watch it. Um, Ultron for me is a movie that becomes even more important for the later films. Like it is yeah. really the linchpin. And I think this is the film where Marvel really figured out what it wanted to do and, and how it wanted to do. I know it gets criticized a lot. Uh, there's actually a lot of people who are down on, on Ultron, the film itself. 
Uh, it has a great villain, though. I do. Yeah, I just don't agree with the people who say that. Yes, there is like one subplot that I wish they had just cut from the film completely, which is the whole Thor subplot, which goes absolutely nowhere uh, and just wastes time. But the central villain is so good. James Spader is amazing, I think, in the Ultron role. I think this is the thing that Iron Man 2 is trying to do, which is like the sins of the pe- of, of one person of uh, brought onto the next generation. This is really Tony Stark's hubris, his like his folly of thinking that he can control the situation coming back to bite him. And I think that is a really uh, dramatic and interesting thing to approach it with. Um, but I like the small silent moments in this movie. Uh, that the entire party scene, I think is the, some of the best stuff that Marvel has ever done. Um, and then the whole like creation of vision and, the whole interplay between people, and this is like where the seeds, really the seeds of division between Tony um, and um, Steve uh, start to really start to, to form. I'm a big fan of Ultron, to be honest. Well, and I, it has a really great action scene, which is uh, where they're trying to get the, the body back from Ultron. Right, yeah, yeah. That plus, whole scene is great. Plus, this is the introduction of Amadeus Cho's mother, who is the scientist who's who's in this, uh, it plays somewhat of a pretty big part of the creation of Ultron. And uh, I'm hoping that they bring about Amadeus Cho in this next, whatever they're going to call it, the next um, saga uh, saga that, that, that they produce. But more more theories on that as we go on. Uh, I, I, I just kind of, I got bored with the just, you know, like throngs of robots, robot after robot. I'm not, that's why I don't really dig the final battle yeah i get that the, the final battle is is not not the best it's uh they lean too f- much in this actually you could even level that at some of uh the, the movie we're going to talk about today about just throngs of things coming at people but I, I i agree with you there i i think that the lead up to that is enough for me uh for me 17 is iron man 2 so we've talked about that already uh number 16 what's number 16 for you guardians of the galaxy volume 2 interesting 16 for me actually no let's talk about that first um Definitely, uh, the volume two, I think, is a step down from the original Guardians. It has some great moments. But it has some great moments. I agree. I think <sighs> it gets bogged down with itself a little bit. Um, and the weird ta- plot of Ego, the living planet, going around kind of like trying to find, trying to make another him. Yeah. Which and is, planting which is, those weird plants to destroy planets. I'm just yeah. like, oh, come on. It's which is weird. weird. I'm not going to say it's not weird. <clears throat> I kind of love the fact that Guardians likes to go that ridiculous with things. I'm that's not my issue. Uh my issue is actually kind of what your criticism was of Ultron is I think the end battle sequence devolves into just like randomness. Like yeah. it's just like I don't really even know what's going on anymore. Like they're just getting thrown through rock and like there's lots of like bright colors flashing around and everything. It's just not visually interesting. But I think that the central I don't know um thing we're supposed to care about i think actually works really really well uh i think him and um yarrow is that how you say his name the blue alien guy yondu uh, yondu thank you uh yondu i think that's a really interesting dynamic that they decided to play with i think that works actually really really well i love the introduction of some of these other alien species uh I like the the gradual re- revelation of what ego actually is, um, but yeah. the, the the invention of the the jump points. Yes, yeah, and I'm like, like this is the movie gets really weird, like right? That. I just don't. 
I don't, I think it's kind of, it, it became a, just an a, way to just cut it, you know, shorten the movie and add in the Stan Lee cameo where I think if, if the universe had, didn't have these jump points because in Captain Marvel, why is she making a light speed engine when the universe is filled with jump points? Right. No, I, I get that. I mean, I guess it's, it's the same criticism people level at Game of Thrones. At a certain point, people just stop caring about how long it actually takes to get to places. Um, I think that, that they could have done that. It's like, yeah, going from this planet to planet just takes like 20 minutes. So let's just pretend it just takes 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, instead of worrying about it too much. Um, uh, 16 for me is Ant-Man and the Wasp for me. Uh, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp is definitely a step up from Ant-Man. It looks better. It, uh, I think it's paced a lot better. Again, I think the interplay between the characters is good. But once again, for me, it just gets bogged down in this whole thing of like, I don't really care about most of the middle portion of this movie. Uh, but I like the, the whole ending stuff with uh, the city and uh, him getting bigger and smaller and fighting off the bad guys while... Uh, the uh, stuff that's happening in the microverse is happening. I like that there's three different things all happening at the same time, uh, all kind of colliding in with each other. So there's some good stuff in there. It, it still is not one of like my absolute favorites. But I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the villain. Um, the oh ghost. yeah, yeah, Ghost is great. Yeah, uh, even though uh, I don't, she gets basically yeah. Uh, is she, would you say she's the villain, though? I guess so. I guess she's basically the villain. Well, would she's you the really antagonist. Say the villain? How's that? Yeah, she's the antagonist. Uh, she, I think this is when... Because uh, I, I definitely, for the first bunch of films, I think the biggest problem Marvel had was the villain characters. They seem very one-note, and I'll be leveling that criticism as we go forward here. But it was just... Um, they were trying to play around with ones that were a little bit more sympathetic <laughs> and actually had uh, a point of view to them, which I think Ghost has. Uh, are we up to 15? You said number 16 already, right? Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume right. 2. I didn't so, number these, so I don't know. I know. I'm uh, Okay, so 15. What's number 15 for you? Ant-Man. Okay, so uh, we've already talked about Ant-Man. My number but I 15... really liked Ant-Man, by the way. I liked it. Yeah, it's fine. I don't think it's great, but, uh, but I, 15... I wore my Ant Man belt to to uh, end game. Yeah, I mean, once again, I find Ant Man great in the um, ensemble films, but I, I for some reason his solo films have never done much uh, for me as of yet. Uh, Fifteen for me is Doctor Strange. This is where I put Doctor Strange in, and it's interesting doing my rewatch here. I've seen the first you know dozen or so movies multiple multiple times now at this point. Uh, there was a time where I would actually rewatch all the films every time a Marvel film came out. So for some of these films, I've actually seen quite a bit. Uh, but I would say from Civil War onwards, a lot of those films I've only ever seen once. So this was interesting being able to go back and rewatch them all. Uh, Doctor Strange was always one that I felt I didn't love. And I've, I, I still have mixed feelings about it because uh, it's still not, I don't think, upper tier Marvel for me. But it's definitely smack in the middle of the road. Uh, I think it gets a little bit too, uh, I don't even know what the right term is, um, but bogged down in its own stupidity <laughs> a little bit. I've never loved magic as a visual uh, before. I love how they can like open up doorways and stuff like that. That's cool. Uh, 
but the other visualizations don't do much for me. And I think there's a lot of in the middle of this film that like nothing is really happening. Uh, but again, it's an origin story, so I like the setup of the film. I like how I, they, liked, I, I, I like how the, it ends. I like how like those visual things happen. And I wish Tilda Swinton would be able to have uh, stuck around for a little bit longer. But but I, I liked I liked the uh, <clears throat> that when he was when he was learning, you know, it wasn't you know like a a montage really. I mean, it was a montage in a way, but it just didn't feel like the stereotypical montage. Mm-hmm. And that I, I think uh, would be a testament to uh, the director there, right. making it making it feel a lot better than just I, a regular montage. Yeah, at the end of the day, I feel like it is just kind of like Tony Stark, but with magic. But uh, I mean, that, that's not a horrible thing, I guess. At the end of the day, either. Uh, that's what so, a lot of people said, though. So you're not wrong. So sorry, fifteen for you was uh, Ant Man. You said right? Yes. Okay. So then mine was Doctor Strange. What's next for you? What's number fourteen? Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. My number 14 is Captain Marvel. So keep in mind that I've only seen this film once. This is the film that I've only seen once in theaters here, whatever that was, a month and a half or so ago, two months ago. Uh, it's, it's again, one of those things, it's it's fine. Like, I, I don't hate the movie by any stretch of the imagination. I love a lot of stuff in this film. I like the the subversion of my expectations with the whole, like, Kree and Skrull races. And yeah, who yeah, was yeah. like the bad people in that in that affair? Um, I loved her supporting cast. I like. I want to see more of those characters. Um, I I actually found Brie Larson's uh, Carol Danvers a little bland. In my she was opinion. bland. She was. I think um, of all the. Uh, I think it, you, I, I think it's fair to say of all the heroes origin stories, even against Thor, I think she was the most whatever. Yeah, it's again. It's like it's fine. Like there's nothing like awful about it. It's just like, wh- I guess it's what's what's hard about a character like this because I like Brie Larson and so many other things. Uh, what's hard about this role is that you have to play a character who is all powerful but doesn't know anything about her past. Um, I loved how the visualization of memories were and trying to get people to like rip things out of her memory. I thought that whole thing was handled really well love the fact that annette benning is in here just kind of randomly so and it was and it was great how they hid because she would she openly stated who she was on talk show she said i was i'm the the great intelligence or whatever right 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 <laughs> and but the fact that that's not all she was that surprised me i was like oh okay i see what's that's going on here yeah. i think the honestly the biggest selling point about this is the uh, is her and samuel L. jackson uh, t- uh, um, their chemistry is really good. Yeah, their chemistry is um, a great, and I would keep watching the films just for them to keep interacting with each other. I think that's your your money right there. But I think they made her too powerful. Well, it's, again, just like that's... with the vision, you know, they made him too powerful, so they had to, you know, they had to slowly scale back kind of what his powers were, just so that he, you know, he couldn't just decimate everybody. Well, that's interesting. I mean. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I guess what my big criticism about your powers are, again, I, I've not read the comics. Maybe that's part of the issue, although I don't think it should be, is I don't know what her powers are. Like, okay, so she can fly. She has super strength. I guess she, she can, can shoot beams out of her arms and stuff as well. She um, can be in space without oxygen. That, like, she is, like, above Superman. Uh, like, she can do whatever she wants. So how do you make that 
type of character interesting when literally she is so powerful. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting as these movies continue on. It made a billion dollars at the box office, so there'll be a sequel coming at some point, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, uh, but I, at the same time, I mean, these there's these women superheroes that we have that are super powerful. We'll have a good conversation here eventually about uh, Scarlet Witch, who even in the comic books is low key like the most powerful character in the entire universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's going to be interesting how they play that going forward. Um, well, I think I think at this point she doesn't even know what she's capable of. We're talking about, uh, sorry, Captain Marvel is who we're talking uh, about? No, Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch. Witch. No, I agree like, with, with I, Scarlet I think Witch at, at this point, she just thinks she's a telekinetic. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But if you look at Infinity War, where she can bring down two huge, gigantic robots while levitating, while also saving other people, like, you are you can do a bunch of stuff. Um, actually, I'd love to see her and Doctor Strange kind of cross paths, because I wonder if there's something mystical that they're going to bring in for Scarlet Witch. Um, anyways, so yours was uh, Ant-Man the Wasp, right? For number 14? Yes. Uh, number 13 for you. Uh, uh, the first Avenger. Sorry. Oh, I, sorry. I, I, Captain America. First yeah, Avenger. My, my phone was dying, so I had to transfer everything to a, oh, got a you. G- Gmail uh, document so that I could actually so See that I was lost for a second. Yeah, okay. uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, which I also I love the movie, but that's a great movie, man. I that movie continually goes up in my estimation every time I watch it, and I liked it. I was one of the people who liked it when I first saw it. Um, a lot of people will say that it's like one of the worst of the first few Marvel films, and no. I have like I'm like a hard disagree <laughs> uh, for that. I love the period piece of it. I love Steve Rogers introduction as being a superhero before he even got superhero powers and i think that's like the essence of that character yeah and chris evans was the absolute best person to be cast in that role because he nailed it he nailed and he that. kept turning he turned it down a bunch of times apparently which i yeah i mean he apparently he's basically captain america in real life as well like he's just a nice person uh who's trying to do the best thing and i really i don't know i really respond he- to that even as Captain America, he would show up on Doug Loves Movies and play their stupid games. Right, right. <laughs> so he was, so you know, so he'd show up at that tiny little UCB theater, you know, on Franklin in uh, L.A. You know, the place sit, seats like fifty people. Right. And it's tiny. There's no air conditioning. It's hot. It's gross. But he would show up to those sorts of things, you know, because he he's just a nice guy that wants to have fun. Yeah, but apparently, I think they offered him the role without him even even auditioning. I think they just wanted him, which is wild to me that they <sighs> knew that that's who they wanted to have. Um, but I by love the way, Joe Johnston. I think Joe Johnston's a great director. Yeah, you I know, wish he was given more work. Uh, but he made Rocketeer, which is very important to note. <laughs> very important to note. Uh, this movie, by the way, has one of my all-time favorite lines of all of the movies together, which is when Tommy Lee Jones comes in and is talking to uh, Zola. Uh, and he goes, it's like, I have some food here for you. And then what is it? He says, steak. And then he's like, what is in it? He's like, cow. It's like, <laughs> it's like how his line reading is in that. Well, um, the great thing about Tommy Lee Jones, I don't, even, I don't know if he's funny in real, real life, but the man can do a deadpan delivery, you know, with the best of them. Yeah, 
And that's what makes it funny is because he's being serious as the character. Um, 13 for me is Thor Ragnarok. That's where I place my uh, the, wow. the third Thor film. And again, it, it feels like I hate it. I don't. I actually have a lot of fun. However, I re- like I love so much of this movie. But I wish that it had just been somehow they had just been able to do the kind of like the quote unquote Planet Hulk stuff with Jeff Goldblum and the Hulk and Thor reuniting uh, and trying to escape and the introduction of Valkyrie, all that stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I hate, I hate, 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 hate the villain in this movie. I do not like Kate Blanchett in this movie, not because her performance is bad, but because I think that it is written poorly. Uh, I don't get her motivation. She just wants to ruin everything just because, I guess. That's never been, it's never really gone into very well for me. Well, she wanted vengeance against Odin. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> what, but that, what does that have to do with killing everybody? Like, yeah, I, just, I, don't, I, I don't get destroying Asgard. I mean, I think what she would, what I would think she would want is the throne. Yeah. That would make more sense to me that she, because she's the oldest child. You know, I don't know what the what I it think is. that you could have still had this, like have that power dynamic, and, and Thor has to flee, but then made her a, a more interesting villain because basically Thor is like off doing his own thing for two thirds of this movie, and then comes back and wins. Um, and I I just don't feel the and then they try and put this weird subplot of like that random Asgardian guy in it, uh. And and he has this like character arc through it, and again, it's like okay, I guess that's fine, um, but it doesn't but even really Heim, do much for even me. Even Heimdall's subplot was weird. Well, yeah, like I just—it's like if, they if just, they're going to they do that character, they gave him something to do just because I think they probably thought Idris is annoyed, so they gave him a little fight scene. Or like what would have been better in my mind is that somehow Heimdall is put into the character of that other person. Uh, and he hates having to follow through with some of these orders, uh, but he eventually like rises above it. Like, okay, cool. It's a character that we already kind of know, so let's use that. Uh, and I really dislike the fact that they just killed off the Warriors 3 so nonchalantly. I feel like they should have had a bigger importance into these films, and they should have not been just carelessly tossed aside. It just really bugged me. <laughs> the whole thing just bugs me. Well, I don't think um, they should have killed the Warriors 3 at all, period. I know. Well, yeah, I don't. I think... Uh, I don't want to get into spoilers, but there would be a certain scene, an end game that would have been perfect to have them show up in. That's as uh, non-spoilery as I'm going to leave that. Uh, okay, that was number 13. You said 13, correct? That was what for you? The first Avenger. First Avenger, great. Number 12 is Cap- where I... Captain Marvel. Okay, so Captain Marvel. I thought you were going to go to me first. Yeah, no, that's all right. I've been doing that, and I decided to switch it up. Uh, This is where I put Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think I like it a little bit more than you do, but I actually agree with all the problems you have with it. Um, But I guess a little bit of uh, panache to the the filmmaking goes a long way. I think James Gunn is is really good. He understands these characters so incredibly well. Um, All right. So that would have been – that's why, you know, some of those with Thor – Hiring Kenneth Branagh, who knows nothing about comics. Right. No, I get it. Was just a huge mistake. Right. And I think as they got on further, they realized, oh, let's get people who are fans of the comics to come in 
and then really have them bring themselves to this project. I think it works out really, really well. Um, one last thing I'll just say before we move on, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I love the fact that they have Sylvester Stallone in that film for like two minutes. Uh, it just gives that, the weight of that character, and then you feel it because of what that character actor brings uh, along with him. Um, and I hope they actually show up uh, inside of uh, Guardians 3. Okay, uh, so 11. What's 11 for you? Doctor Strange. Oh, interesting. Okay, Doctor Strange. Uh, any, anything else you want to say about Doctor Strange that we haven't? No, I mean, I, I really liked it. And I the criticism that it is Tony Stark, basically, mm-hmm. is really fair and valid. And But that also, in uh, Infinity War, that made their interaction fun. Right. Because yeah, no, one, I agree. one person... Uh, Tony thinks he knows everything, and then here comes somebody that knows a whole heck of a lot of stuff that Tony has no clue even existed five minutes ago. No, fair enough. No, that's good. <laughs> you can see them uh, hoisted by his own petard. Uh, this is where I put Black Panther for myself. Wow. Yeah. Again, I like Black you're racist. Panther. You're racist. I'm racist, and I'm sexist because of uh, Captain Marvel. Your favorite part of that movie was uh, Martin Freeman. I know it. <laughs> um, here's here's. I'm gonna start with my criticisms of Black Panther, and then layer on all the stuff I love. Um, I will say this because this is the only the second time I saw the movie during my rewatch. Uh, it definitely went up in my in my liking of it. For some reason, I was I was kind of middle of the road when I first saw it, uh, but now having rewatched it, um, there's a lot of things to like. Uh, the things I don't like, I think the the CG is pretty inconsistent in this movie. There's some awesome stuff and then there's stuff like the rhinos which just look like really bad cg rhinos and it it totally takes me out of the film every time i see it um and 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 the whole battle last battle sequence doesn't do it for me like at all Uh, i think it's weird that like literally all of wakanda is fighting amongst itself all of a sudden and apparently it's in one single field and it feels like there's only like 40 people fighting uh, well, it's, just, it's weird it's, how how Killmonger was able yeah. to raise an army. Yeah, it's just it's just awkward. Uh, <clears throat> to flip that around, though, I think Killmonger is in at least my top three villains of the entire cinematic universe. I think he is phenomenal. I think he has an entirely uh, specific point of view that I might disagree with, but it's it makes sense uh, internally. Makes sense to the to the character. Uh, I feel for him. There's there's a reason behind what he's trying to do, uh, and uh, he's menacing at the exact same time. I, I, I dislike Killmonger a whole lot. I think he's handled super super well. I like how there's the the kind of like the flashback to the '90s and then kind of up to present day. I I like how it's slowly revealed how Wakanda has uh, kept itself hidden. I like the whole Black Panther mythos. Uh, I like all the new characters that are added into this. Uh, I actually think that the casino scene is really great. I think that's a really great, uh, well-shot sequence uh, inside of that. I just wish that the final battle sequence had had matched that same level of uh, ingenuity and stuff like that. Well, it, but... it comes down to a lot of a lot of things that people f- get caught up in, especially in comic book movies, as we've as we've noticed. Is everything has to be bigger and better, bigger and better. But when you have those small, low-key, like the casino scene, just like in Daredevil, the hallway fight, that's yeah. way better. Like the hallway fight is is better than the f- final battle for Black Panther. Better, right. way better. Yeah, no, I agree. <clears throat> um, you said number eleven already, correct? 
Doctor Strange. Right, right, right. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to get into our top 10 here now. Top 10 films of the MCU, according to and us. Then, and now we're, I'm getting into the, uh, aside from number one, uh, I can pretty much shuffle these around in any order I want. Um, I will say, <clears throat> save for the top two. The top two I know for sure are exactly where I would have them. Uh, the other ones, yeah, depending on my uh, time of day, could be a little bit different. <clears throat> Uh, this also means I know what some of yours are going to be in the top 10 and uh, a pleasantly surprised, but uh, we're also going against the grain. I think of what a lot of other people think about some of these films. Anyways, um, what's number 10 for you? Uh, Civil War. Civil War. Okay, great. So what, uh, what do you like about Civil War? Well, the, the, I mean, obviously I like uh, Ant-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Um, I like the fact that Spider-Man still wasn't cast when they filmed that. So yeah. And how obvious it was that it wasn't cast just because of that one scene. They made sure to have the mask off of. Yes. <laughs> well, so I during, think to, to, during the fight scene, I'm talking about the airport fight scene. It's so I, obvious that he wasn't I, cast yet. I don't know if you remember this or not, but the news that they had made that deal with Sony and that Spider-Man was going to get his own solo film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that he was going to be in Civil War broke while we were recording an episode. Um. And I remember you and I just being like, how is this going to work? Like, I don't get it. What's happening? How is he going to be fit into this movie that we thought was like basically finished shooting? Uh, so it's like, how is this all going to work? Um, and then I think they just nailed it completely. I love Civil War. Like, yeah, I love movie. it. And I think, again, it's one of those ones that grows in my estimation. When I when I rewatched it here this time, I was like, man, yeah, I did love this movie. And I had it down lower. And then I kept looking at my list and like, no, no, I like it more than this. And so I kept bumping it up here a little bit more. Mine was actually originally down closer to to this spot. And I just kept bumping it up and up and up. Um, I think that people forget that the, that the villain in this uh, may not be as flashy, but again, has a very specific point of view and is able to destroy the Avengers. Yep. <laughs> Like he succeeds. He, he wins. He wins. He's, he's, he's pre Thanos wins. He gets exactly what he wants. Um, and I and I'm actually sympathetic towards him. Again, maybe the methods are, are wrong, but he watched his or had to, you know, uh, suffer through his dad, his wife, and his daughter or son uh, die because of something that the Avengers actually did. Well, and, and Daniel so Brule stats. is an underrated actor. Yeah, underrated. Um, Again, one of my absolute favorite lines of one of the, in this movie, uh, it's not a funny line, uh, is is when you know Tony is confronted, shown the uh, Winter Soldier attack on his parents. Uh, it's like, uh, did you know? Did you know? Uh, and then he like punches Cap because of course he knew. But then uh, when he's trying to, uh, when when uh, Cap is trying to stop him from killing him, it's like. I forget what, what what Cap says. It was like, you're better than this. It's like, I don't care. He killed my mother. I was like, yep. yeah, no, I get it. I totally get you where you're coming from, Tony. Like, uh, you're justified in, in, in that case. The, like, the amazing uh, performance there by Robert Downey Jr. is you can see that he's also doubting himself for doing what he's doing. Right. He's able to play that thin line where he's like, the rage is so powerful, but you can see there's there's something underneath him underneath him that knows it wasn't Bucky's fault. It had nothing to do with Bucky. He was being used, mm-hmm. but that's the whole movie is about people being used. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, but yeah, for the, good uh, or for bad. Yeah. My, my favorite part of that movie 
is the unexpected bromance of Falcon and Bucky. Yeah, like they, they yeah, I know. <laughs> it works out so well. <clears throat> Once um, they realize that Sebastian Stan and and uh, Anthony Mackie, An- Anthony Mackie had amazing chemistry. They're like, we know what we're doing now. Yeah, like, TV show the, is coming. Yeah, I wish that was just a movie person. I don't, I'm not actually a big fan of them making all these movies on the Disney Plus show with these characters. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm going to be proven wrong, but let's. I'll hope that they're all good. Well, I like that they're they're not they're not going to be continuing series. They're not going to be. They're just going to be mini series. Yeah. Okay. So that, that, like, uh, that's that's better than in like that case. WandaVision is six episodes, I believe. Okay. And um, that's it. So basically, they are going to make a, you know, like a six-hour-long movie. Okay. All right. Well, maybe that'll work out over time. Um, one last thing I'll say about Civil War. Like, this was, like you said, the first time we saw Spider-Man in these films. And you know me, and you make fun of me a lot for this, but Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. And make fun of me all you want, but, like, I teared up when he came into this film. Because, like, they got it. They finally nailed this character that I feel has been given such a disservice to for the last like 10 years. The one thing that I, I, I will say about the MCU is not only does it make me laugh a ton, but it makes me cry a lot too. Almost in every single movie, I cry at least once. And it's like, it's not because necessarily like these are like deep films necessarily. Although I think that they are unfairly cast as being only popcorn films. Like that's certainly their main objective. Don't get me wrong, but they definitely focus on character a lot. And I think that if you buy into the characters and care about them, then you're along for the ride. And when these, these tragic things happen, then you're like this, Oh, that is a gut punch to me. Um, so I, yeah, I coming out of that, I was like so happy. It was just like, Wow, that was like the best Spider-Man film that's come out in the last decade. Who would have thought that that would be in a Captain America film for five minutes? Uh, so I was so jazzed to like hear what was going to come uh, from the Spider-Man film coming out like the year after. And my fa- my favorite part, another thing about with the MCU that I really really love, it was almost my favorite thing is the the reaction that the audience has, where they they can't hold back anything. Right, like when when Ant Man went giant, right? Yeah, like yeah. The whole audience just went, "Oh my god!" They can do that, yeah. <laughs> um, well, my number ten uh, is going to be the one that uh, probably a lot of people are going to disagree with, but this is where I put Iron Man three, and uh, Iron Man three honestly hinges on one simple fact: is do you like the stuff with the kid? Or do you not like the stuff with the kid? <laughs> and if you don't, it's a bad film for you. And if you or do you like walk me, around with an ever loving boner for Shane Black like I do? Right. Well, that that too. Um, for me, all that stuff works, and I loved what they did. How they subverted my expectations of the Mandarin, which um, is kind of a racist character in the comic. I shouldn't say kind of. It is a racist character in the comic books. So I was like a little Again, bit nervous. Normally I would think that that would make you love that guy more. But. Well, maybe. Um, but I thought that was great. I I think that a lot of people get mad at this movie because they're like, well, it didn't do exactly what I was expecting it to do when I came into this film. It's like, yeah, that's why I like it because once that rev- revelation is there where it's like, oh, like he's just a front. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, then I don't know where this movie is going at this point. So for me, it, it all works, and uh, having rewatched it again, it still still works for me. It's funny. Um, I, I think it's it's a great representation of, of Tony Stark. I think it's an evolution of his character. This is 
uh, him dealing a lot with the PTSD from the Avengers film. Yeah, which it's more of a character goes, piece. And, it, and I think that people have to realize, like, this was really that uh, showing that there was effects happening. I, that's another criticism that, that is right, I think, in some cases, that a lot of times the Marvel films have a big thing that happens, but that doesn't really impact any of the films going forward. But that moment specifically uh, of in Avengers where Tony goes into space and, and, and almost dies totally affects that character. Every single film going past it. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of Iron Man three, even though I will concede that again, the ending battle isn't the greatest and it's dumb that he blows up his suits. <laughs> yeah, that's stupid because like, I think I was Somebody researched how much each suit costs, and yeah. it's like a billion dollars a suit or some insane amount of money. <laughs> right, right, right. And it just kind of blows them up. Uh, but there is uh, – it to me, Iron Man 3 and the people that criticize the Mandarin situation shows how unfamiliar people are with the extremist storyline mm. in Iron Man. Because if, if you knew that they were using extremists in this movie like they were, yeah. you would know the Mandarin wouldn't be involved in something like that. Sure. <laughs> That's just not his bag. That's uh, not yeah. about making super soldiers or anything like that or repairing arms and limbs. He, he's he's got the power rings. You know, he, he's uh, he's got power. Yeah, you he know, he, power. he doesn't need to worry about. Uh, but in the extremist storyline, it it's uh, they would have just known more. They would have expected it more. I mean, I still went in there thinking the Mandarin was the villain. But once the reveal happened, I'm like, oh, yeah, because extremists, of course. Um, all right, number nine. This is where I put Infinity War. Okay, great. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Infinity War, so I'm That's not That's a great movie. To... It's great. And having rewatched it again, this is only the second time I watched it, I forgot, like, how fast it moves. Like, there is something happening legitimately every five minutes. Um, I was shocked. I, I turned it on, uh, <laughs> and uh, I, the way I was rewatching it, I was going to just watch... Uh, I said, I just want to watch the first five minutes uh, and then I'm going to go and do something else. I just want to start this so that it's queued up and then I can just keep playing it later on in the day because it'll be synced on my Netflix. Um, I easily watched the first 25 minutes of that film in one sitting and it felt like I'd only been sitting there for like three minutes because uh, in the first 20 minutes, let me just run down what happens in the first 20 minutes of Infinity War, which is... Um, the Asgardians are decimated. Thor beats up the Hulk, uh, kills kills Loki. <clears throat> Heimdall sends Thor back to Earth. Heimdall gets killed off. Uh, Th- Hulk drops through Doctor Strange's uh, building. Uh, Doctor Strange goes and finds Tony, brings him back to the compound. The invasion starts to happen. They start fighting. Uh, Spider-Man sees what's going on, flips over there, starts fighting them. Doctor Strange, Tony, and Spider-Man all go up into the spaceship. They're up there. And that all happens in 20 minutes. <laughs> that whole sequence is how the movie starts. It is going at a certain, like at a clip, and it never stops. Like, it's this complete action scene for two and a half hours. Well, just imagine if they, if they made this movie, you know, like third. Right, yeah, yeah. How they couldn't do that. No, they wouldn't have been able to do that. And there wouldn't have been the payoff for it either. Yeah. Um, this is again, I mean, I again, don't want to throw them under the bus, but this is like the DC problem. They tried to yep. start with Infinity War and then work backwards, and it doesn't yep. work that way. I was about to say the same thing, jerk. Yep. 
Um, anything else, though? I want you to talk about Infinity War, if there's something you want to bring up. Well, no, it's, I, I love the movie. I think it's great. It's just the one thing that I, I mean, there were a few surprises for me in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knew what was going to happen. I mean, this was basically, this movie to me was a necessary evil to get to Endgame. Oh, sure. I mean, they basically are one, well, I was about to say the bold statement that they're kind of one long film, but they're more like the first act, second act is really what they are. Uh, well, I feel like not, Infinity War is more like a a prequel, like a prologue. Yeah, you need all this stuff uh, to set up the, the Thanos character. And, uh, and while I absolutely knew, like, going into it and you find out what, okay, he's going to get the stones and we know what his motivation is. He wants to kill off half half the population of the universe. Okay. hundred percent. I was like anticipating, okay, he's going to do that. And then they'll just reverse it. Yeah. Uh, but then no, that's how the movie ends. Snaps his fingers. He leaves. And we're left being like, okay. And then not only that, but the, but the, at the end of the credits, it's like Thanos will return uh, in, in the next Avengers. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's how we're leaving this summer blockbuster with not just like, the the heroes losing but like l- like really losing <laughs> like this is there's, there's no happy ending here no and you know of course you know everybody cried in the theater oh again like the audible like the, gasp of spider-man dying was just incredible the i mean the whole uh, i'm i yes i'm the spider-man fanboy but the line reading that tom holland gives when he's like mr stark i don't feel well like is like oh man like geez louise um, and that relationship becomes more and more important as, as time goes on too. Uh, my number nine is where I put Captain America, the first Avenger. So I'm, like I said, a really big fan. It's in my top 10. Uh, how about number eight for you? It's where I put Thor Ragnarok. Okay. This is where I put Ultron. Uh, how about number seven? Iron Man three. Okay. Iron Man three. This is where I put Spider-Man homecoming. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I, I, I knew you probably you. thought it was going to be in my uh, top five or even my top one, but no, I, I, I like this I assumed it would just be in your pants. Just in my pants. Uh, I love this movie. I know you love Michael Keaton, and I love yeah. Michael Keaton too. I think he is a phenomenal villain. Once again, in the last half, Marvel actually understood villains, and they actually made them have points of view. Uh, and I think he has an absolutely 100% realistic point of view of why he's doing what he's doing. Uh, so I, I, I like that. I love the reveal of who Michael Keaton actually is later on in the film. I thought that didn't was... Didn't see that coming. Did not see that coming, and, and it shocked me. And it's like, well played. That is a well played movie. You literally uh, subverted my expectations because uh, uh, I'm a white male. Well, and, start, um, when a lot of the reasons why I have a lot of these um, movies in my top 10 is because they surpri- like they gave me an honest-to-goodness surprise. Yeah. Uh, like Red Skull showing up in Infinity War. I'm just like, Wait, son what? of a bitch. Yeah. Um, I knew he was still out there somewhere, but I thought he would never come back. Oh, yeah. I thought, I, at a certain point, I was like, yeah, they're never going to bring that character back. And then, okay, no, they decided to do it. Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. Like I said, I love the, I love Spider-Man. I think this movie is the best representation of that character to date. He is uh, that street-level character. He doesn't need to go into the cosmos to be interesting. Um, and I, I like that he struggles and tries to do the right thing, and that normally causes his personal relationships to suffer a whole lot. That's the entire Spider-Man character. But, uh, and they made it so that it wasn't an end-of-the-world type 
affair. Right, yeah, yeah. Which um, they were I'm, getting stuck into that thing where they were starting to do into the world all the time. Yeah. And I and I think they like the uh, Into the Spider-Verse probably did this a bit better, but I mean, uh, I like the fact that they kind of just skipped past the whole Uncle Ben being killed sort of thing. Because uh, it's like, yeah, we get it. We've seen that origin story literally multiple times at this point. Let's just get to the meat of the story, and that's what they did in this movie. Um, that's what Marvel does really well is they just assume they start to they don't they don't treat the audience like idiots. Yeah, they just and start I, to I, ass- they assumed at some point, you know, when Nick Fury pops up in Iron Man, you know, they just they don't explain anything. They just say what he's he give him that one line basically and there we go didn't yeah. have to spend 20 minutes explaining what avengers were or whatever yeah like or we, shield was we yeah, get we it get you it. know we can get it um I, there's there's a moment in the in this spider-man film where uh the the kind of roof is crumbled in on him and he starts to freak out and he really does feel like a 15 year old boy at that point like freaking out and it's like Tom Holland, I just have the utmost respect for because I think he just understands his character somehow and is able to pull it off great. Uh, my only major criticism is I think that the entire uh, airplane uh, sequence, I don't know, action sequence, is awful. But, but other than that, I like everything about this movie. And they, they cast somebody that can actually, I mean, I, I'm assuming that, you know, he did most of his stunts because he can. He can flip. He can do all these things. Yeah, that's right. They cast somebody that can do those things. So, uh, what's your number six? Uh, oh, this is where I put Avengers. Oh, interesting. Okay, so the original Avengers. Yes. Yeah, I, I still think it holds up. I've seen that now multiple times, and it still is, like, rousing to me. I still think yeah. it's such a great job. And that's when, uh, again, there, there's a little bit of a villain problem. Because I'm well, not there's, entirely there's, sure what Loki's trying to do. He's just well, wants to be King yeah. of Earth. I mean, come on. Well, not only that, but it's like... I don't think it's fully understood like who he's working for. And I mean, they're, they're intentionally keeping that secret. So they can have the Thanos reveal at the at, at, like the post credit sequence. Uh, but his motivations... like uh, He almost seems to be more sinister between... The, last, the the Thor film he was in, and then when he comes into Avengers, like he seems to be more sadistic, uh, for whatever reason, and that's a little bit weird. And then again, it's just like a bunch of just CG monsters that they're fighting at the end. I still think that the Battle of New York is the sequence that works for me overall, um, especially good Hawkeye got, stuff, good Hawkeye, great stuff. Hawkeye stuff. And there's like Hulk smash, and that's all done. But it's interesting how how much of that movie takes place up in that helicarrier. I, I love again all that stuff. It's a bunch of talking and like getting to know the characters and having their relationships intertwined. But um, uh, that's all. That stuff is all needed so that the ending can have that payoff that it does. The only thing that I wish that they would have done is in the UK they called it Avengers Assemble. Mm, right. And I wish that that was the name. I wish they called it Avengers Assemble so that way you know like Captain America has every movie has a subtitle. First right. Avenger. Uh, Winter Soldier, Soldier, Civil War. So I would have, I, you know, it's like if they knew that they were going to make, you know, they didn't, with Guardians of the Galaxy, they just didn't know that yeah. they were going to make more of those. I'm assuming that they would have brought there's, the There's no back. way that they knew that that was going to be like the number one movie of the year <laughs> when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. But they knew that uh, Avengers wasn't going to be the last Avengers. Most likely not, no. 
so that's my that's something that has always bothered me for some reason. And they call it Avengers Assemble over there just because there was the Avengers TV show. Yeah, so people wouldn't get confused. It's like like wait. you would get confused. Yeah, I wanted bowler hats. Why are there no bowler hats in here? Remember um, the Avengers movie with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes? I never saw and it. Sean, but Sean I, Connery. I remember. I remember <laughs> the movie, but I never saw it. It was horrible. Yeah, it's not. It's supposed to be not very good. Uh, number six is where I put the original Iron Man. Um, oh wow. Another movie that I think is solid. I think that's a great, great movie. Uh, but uh, it, it suffers from what a lot of the original films did, which is like the ending sequence doesn't really work so much for me. It's like uh, I find that actually for a lot of Marvel films, the third act is what is usually the weakest. Uh, like the buildup and the introduction are done so well that there's just no way that the ending can pay off. Uh, and there's a few exceptions to that. But Iron Man is, is that same way where it's like, uh, cool origin story. He's coming back. He's building up. Oh, we're rising this action. This is so good. And then it's just like, oof. Um, and I but wish I, they had. I, I kind of wish they had not killed off Obadiah Stane. To be no, honest, yeah. uh, I think that he would he would have been an interesting character to bring back. It's also my thing with. I hate that they kill off so many villains. I think that there could be a rogues gallery that they could build up, just like the heroes. Um, but there you go. But uh, I, I I liked Iron Man a lot, and I think what I and I have it high on my list, and uh, but I think what they messed up on there, I think the Mandarin should have been the villain in that one. Oh, in the first. Yeah, and I think I think Obadiah Stane, if they were going to kill him off, it should have been the Mandarin that killed him for betraying well, because yeah. it was the Ten Rings that kidnapped Tony. It's one of those things. I think that with this second uh, saga that they're going to do, I think that they might be able to plan it out even better. Because like we said, like they had no idea if it was going to pay off, so they couldn't go full force into it. And now people are kind of expecting it. They know that there's after credit sequences. They know that things are, are all interconnected. So I think you know, starting with the next Spider-Man film that comes out, uh, they can really start to lay those seeds. Of, like, this is what the next saga is going to actually be. And this is how everything is going to get interconnected uh, with, with everything else. Um, but I, 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 th- I just think that that would have been better, especially if they wanted to make it a success. They should have went with his biggest bad to start off. They should have, you know, went all in mm-hmm. instead of going with Ironmonger. Yeah, it's weird, huh? <laughs> I mean, come on. Ironmonger? And, then, and, yeah, and then have Obadiah Stane be the villain of the second one. I think that would have been a better payoff. Yeah, so, I mean, and I think, yeah, that way, uh, because Tony would have figured out at the end of the movie that that Obadiah was the was working with mm-hmm. the Mandarin. I mean, of course, we're saying that Iron Man is the reason why <laughs> this whole franchise started in the first place. So who are we to criticize? Yeah. Um, number five. What's your number five? Where am I? Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is... Really great. It was a huge surprise. I had no, no idea anything about these characters, but uh, it's a great movie. It's so well, good. I, the only thing that I knew about them is they showed up, I believe they showed up in a couple cartoons. They do, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what I, the only thing I knew about them. Well, one, I before the cartoons, I knew that they existed. That's And then when the cartoons came out, I'm like, oh, okay, I get, I kind of know what's going on in a bit now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was a gamble, like, to to have these be one of the uh, newest heroes that you bring in, like you would think, oh, okay, so they've done well with Thor and Captain America and Iron Man. So obviously the next logical hero to focus on is going to be the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> but the cool thing about that is that it brings in the space aspect, right? They needed to have 
that uh, that version of the Marvel Universe brought in. But I, I think that they were pretty certain it was going to be a success because at that point, uh, the new phrase that people keep talking about is big dick energy. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whereas like at that point, they were just like, yeah, we know. We yeah, know. We, we know. Um, number number five is where I put Infinity War. Like I, it, it bumped up my list quite a bit. I just kept liking it more and more and more. Uh, what's number four for you? Uh, that's where I put Spider Man. Spider Man. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you too much because I love that movie. Uh, this is where I, I put Winter- I, when, when you when you mentioned the the airplane sequence being horrible, and when you said that, then I when I I agree with you now. I never really thought about it because they they transition so quickly to the beach fight. Yeah, the beach fight which is, is good. great. I like the beach fight. It's just the whole thing up on the plane. It's shot so darkly. Um, I don't think it's very visually interesting. I just think the whole thing is stupid. Uh, and then they get into the beach, and that's the payoff. Like that's the good stuff. And they didn't kill the villain. They didn't, which I'm glad for because I think what they they <laughs> maybe this is like a big fu that Marvel's gonna do. They might actually do the Sinister Six. Uh, but through Marvel's lens instead of having Sony do it. Um, yeah, sorry, 4, a, 4, as you might have already heard, is where I put Winter Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier is great. I think it's one of the best films that they've ever made. They decided to go like straight-up spy thriller, and I think it just works so well. I love uh, him and and Black Widow on, on like slowly unfurling what's going on. I like the slow reveal that, uh, um, oh my gosh, the bad guy in it. Uh, Robert Redford is the bad guy in it. Yeah, uh, like all that stuff is good. The head fake that uh, Nick Fury is dead, but he actually isn't. Like, there's some some cool stuff that happens in that movie. I'm a big fan of the Winter Soldier. Now, the thing about the Winter Soldier, what what do you think the budget was? Oh, for that one? Oh, I yeah. don't know. It's probably like 120 million or something. 170 million. Oh Jesus. Okay. And they could have easily made that movie just as good for 50. Just well, because yeah, the it's type probably, of movie uh, it was. Well, probably bumps it up is all the people's. Uh, wages <laughs> that's what i'm gonna guess all the actors probably wanted 20 mil yeah so i mean but i mean yeah winter soldier's a great movie it's uh even higher on my list obviously i haven't said it right oh uh, i well let's get to the top three here though. but it was but i mean the fact that everybody knew that bucky was the winter soldier except for everybody's girlfriends well that's true it's like like most everyone going to that movie knew what was going to happen um, but, the, but the robert redford thing was great the the bringing in the hail hydra stuff you know gary shandling yeah, oh the fact that he is the first person in the universe to say hail hydra is outside like, of the first adventure force yeah it's like whoa what <laughs> um it kind of doesn't gr- make much sense but which, i mean he, he wants well, no, to get the iron man armor that kind of makes sense with hydra but still i mean the fact that gary shandling passed away is sad enough but i wish he had been still around because i'm sure they had other plans for that character um, which is too bad. Okay, let's just say our top three here now, just to finish off the lists. Uh, so my top three, so from three to number one, is Civil War, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Avengers. What is your top three? Black Panther, Iron Man, Winter Soldier. Okay, so we have basically a a different top three. What um, Winter Soldier is your number one? Yeah, and I, it's always been. Ever since I saw it, I'm just like, Damn, it's it's good. great. It's like I, I'm, like I said, it's number four for me. So it's like I'm I'm a huge fan of that movie. And too. I think the third act really works. The fight scenes are fantastic, and they focus on mostly one to one fighting. Right. The elevator scene is amazing. It's their hallway fight. Yeah. And the 
the fight on the freeway was great. Uh, yeah, and, and there's there's really great action sequences, and this is the reason why the Russo brothers were brought on to do pretty much all the other big movie versions of the Marvel films going forward. I'm I'm interested to know if they continue on or if they're kind of done with Marvel now at this point too. What was your number one again? I totally forgot. Now Avengers. I, Avengers like has always even... been my number one. There's been no film that has even come close to exceeding it at this point. Um, of, of all those movies, Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy are the only two that I gave a perfect five star score to uh, on letterboxd so okay um now i'm gonna do a little rotten tomatoes for you okay their bottom three the incredible hulk 22 4 21 and iron man at 20 but iron wait, man, wait, wait, oh, wait. Iron man Which, 2 okay yeah, yeah. I was gonna but say. iron man 2 is certified fresh i think the only two that aren't certified fresh are going to be thor the dark world and incredible hulk right now let's see the top Top three. Number one is Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Number two is Endgame, and number three is Iron Man. Yeah, I just want to—I want to give you your time of day, and then I want to jump right into Endgame, uh, which is talk to me about Black Panther and why it's so high on your list. Well, I think that the conflict between the two uh, really works. The motivation of—we were talking about that already. Killmonger's motivation is very defined, very clear. He has a reason. He and he, he and it, at some point when they started getting the villains right, where the villain you could see their point of view, yeah, and know that in their mind they think they're right, and know that maybe if you went through what they went through, you might be doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's when it. Yeah. Re that's like the ball started rolling once they started getting villains right. And Black Panther was just great, and Chadwick Boseman is great, and I th uh, I. I agree with you a bit about the final battle, but I still really enjoyed it, especially the strong women in the movie mm -hmm. pulling their weight. I love the I love the idea of having spears as your as your weapon. I think there's some cool choreography you can do with that. Um, but yeah, that's our that's our list. That took uh, actually a lot longer than I was anticipating. But <laughs> we're gonna move on to Endgame. Uh, so anyone who's still listening, expect spoilers. There's gonna be spoilers from this point on. I don't want to try and couch our conversation at all. Um, so, Grant, I don't know, like, what were your, how did you feel about the movie? Like, I mean, uh, when I went into it, I was expecting one thing. And at least for me, it was not at all the movie I was expecting going in. But I'd love to hear your thoughts first. Well, the first thing I tweeted as I was walking out of the movie is, now, I didn't say it was the best movie. I didn't even say no. it was good. I didn't say any of those things. But I said, I don't think any movie will ever be this epic ever again. I agree. Like, again. Because you and I have experienced these movies in real time and actually had to wait the months and years between some of these releases. All those stupid kids nowadays can just watch them all. Yeah. But this has been 11 years of my life watching Marvel films and it's capped off to this. If you, if someone had somehow come back from the future and literally told me after I walked out of Iron Man 1 when I heard Nick Fury say Avengers, I was like, oh, that's funny. They'll never make that movie, though. <laughs> I was psyched for it. I was like, there's no way they're ever going to actually make it an Avengers movie. That's ridiculous. And then tell me, he's like, oh, no, no. They've actually made four of them. And the last three made over a billion dollars. Uh, and uh, it has literally every character you can possibly think of in Marvel is in these films that Marvel has the rights to. Um, I would be like, okay. It's like, okay, future person. 
have a good time here in the past. And then even walk if it past was future them. you, you'd be yeah, like, whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever, dude. Um, You're obviously so, a clone, evil clone. So, like, the, the whole concept that this is even something that could have happened 11 years ago would have been like, there's no way. There's just no way that they're going to put that much money into making this right. Um, I agree with you on the epic scale of it. Were you surprised, like I was, though, about the tone of it at all? Well, I was surprised that it was funnier. And and they, they, they I read some uh, tweets of people, non-spoilery stuff, but people were saying, this is, it, it's funnier than it should have been. But well, it funnier. works. Yeah, I agree with that. But I guess what I'm, what I'm really driving at here is that I really honestly felt like this was going to be an extension of Infinity War. And like we mentioned already, Infinity War is moving. It moves, 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 moves. Every five minutes, there's something else that is happening. There's another action sequence starting. And in this movie, it is the exact opposite of that. It is quiet. It yep. moves slowly. People are talking. Like That's probably why they, they needed the humor because it was so slow. Yeah. And it was more, it was more of a, you know, like Scott said, a time heist. It was more like a heist film. Yeah. Yeah. With well, time travel. More than that though, too. It's like, even though it was three hours, like I didn't feel the three hours, at least no. for me, like, I didn't feel like I was in there for three hours. I thought for sure I was... that I would have to chomp down on monsters. I, yeah. I had one monster like in the morning. And yeah. then once the movie started, I was like, wow. Like I'm I was in it. Like I was totally in it. Mostly because mm. too, talking about like subverting expectations, and again, spoilers coming up. Uh when in the first fifteen minutes they've killed Thanos, I'm like, Well, wait, what? Like how where does this movie go to? Like I again thought like that was where the movie was gonna end. I thought that was the ending scene, what we just saw there. I thought the entire thing was gonna be them trying to figure out how to get to him, how to get the gauntlet off, collect the stones, and then do their own like reversal uh and it wasn't that it was like no we are gonna sit in this um and i've never heard a gasp as much as when it goes to that black screen and then the number five comes up and then there's a pause and it goes years later and literally people were like (gasps) like there's this huge gasp it was like wait what is happening in this movie I, i have never in my life had a more reactive audience Aside from the time I saw Bowfinger because the theater was filled <laughs> with black people. Okay, okay, sure. The more responsive audience to a movie in my life. Yeah. It was it was incredible. And everybody was on the same page. It wasn't like some people were, you know, bored. It was, no, we're all in this together. This is what we're doing. And we all get it. We all understand. We've all gone through these 22 movies together. Yeah. And I, I guess what I just respected about it uh, so much is that, okay, we've we've brought them down to like the like everyone is kind of like beaten and broken like tony more than anyone he is thin and almost like at death's door and he comes back he's like we're not gonna win like you you all of you have to get it out of your head that we're gonna win we lost and we have to live with that loss and so he goes off and is like i'm i actually didn't lose the people that were most important to me pepper is still in my life i now have a daughter like i'm moving on like this is my life here now Um, and so it's hard for him to come, like be brought back in to the fold. Um, and I'm going to say something very bold here, which is, I actually really hope that Robert Downey Jr. gets nominated for an Oscar for this performance. I really think he deserves it. I think that he brings so much to Tony Stark and the, and the scene is very small and it's like, it's like whatever sci-fi bullshit, but still the, the entire thing where he discovers how to do time travel. 
and he's just like, I'm just going to run a little simulation. It won't, it's going to show me nothing. And then like successful. And he like just falls back amazed. Like if he doesn't sell that moment, then everything else is kind of like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Well, and, and he instantly goes into an existential quandary. Yeah. Like, do I do this? Cause I might die if I go ahead and do this. Well, my, my daughter might not exist anymore if I right. fix everything. And he doesn't want that. So I, I, I like that. Cause I think that that was the big criticism coming off of infinity war. People were, were like, well, the next movie is going to be what they're going to come. They're going to snap and everyone comes back and it's okay. It's like, well, no, actually guess what? There was a lot more that they had to give. Like, it's not yeah. just an easy thing. Like they lost people. They, 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 uh, if, um, the, if the soul stone hundred percent actually kills people. And, uh, there's now a new life that people have. It's like, I don't want to lose my daughter. I don't want to just snap and reverse everything. We need to continue on from these five years and just bring those people back. Um, Which is the the first thing I noticed was the weird plot hole is like, wait a minute. So Peter is back at high school, but it's five years later, really. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm hoping so like, they what's actually. What's going on with this? I hopefully they deal with that. I hope there's at least just a line that pays lip service to that because conceivably what that would mean is that some of his classmates survived and then aged five years yeah. <laughs> and then some of them were snapped. So then they come back and they're still five years younger and they have to continue through high school. But I would love still, to, I'd love to see 20. that, that someone that they went to school with is actually five years older now. Well, looks five years older because they're both five years older technically. Well, yeah, yeah. But remember that the people who got snapped away, just came back from when they were snapped. They didn't actually no, I, age I, five I, years. But no, I I get it. They ate. I'm saying that the ones that weren't snapped aged five years. Oh, got gotcha, you. Yeah. Peter is still twenty years old. Oh, I see what you're right? saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, technically, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, I'm wondering. So if... imagine the rules that they had to come up with. Okay, everyone that was snapped by Thanos, uh, you're yes, you're 21, but no, you can't drink. And you oh, have to I wonder because the actually, there's a lot of uh, fan fury or not fury, but. Uh, uh, people that have been looking at the trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home and notice that the years next to Peter Parker's birth date and uh, are not there. So it just has the date and the month. Uh, so they've intentionally kept out the years because probably that was a bit of a spoiler for uh, <laughs> Infinity War. So um, not, not his birthday, I should say, but when it was like, um, I don't know, whenever his issue. passport was made or issued. Issue. Thank you. So the issue date doesn't have the year beside it. So I, I'm I'm sure that they'll have something to do with that. It'll be interesting to see how they they perform with that. Um, but you bringing it back to what you said when he died five minutes in. Mm-hmm. But I I my I really love the fact that when they figured out where he was and how gung ho they were about it, mm-hmm. that they just they I don't know if they were really thinking about getting the stones back. I think they just wanted to they just wanted revenge. Right. I mean, and you see Thor like Thor feels so responsible for the fact that 50% of the people died, right? Because it's a direct callback. In Infinity War, Thanos says, should have aimed for the head. And then uh, when he goes and kills him, he's like, well, I aim for the head. But he's dejected. He's like, well, great, but I still don't have these 50% of people back. And the the other thing that surprised me was that he destroyed the stones. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I that's wouldn't what, think his I, ego I like would that let because, him do that. Again, that was like, okay, this movie is starting in a place I was not expecting. There's, this is not just an easy go and find the stones again. It's still, that is what the movie turned out to be. Find the stones, bring it back to the gauntlet and redo uh, what, what happened. But it was a lot harder to do. And yeah, they do like the wishy-washy, like 
we have to invent a way to do time travel sort of thing. But again, that's not easy to do. Um, I love the visual though. I like how, when they went back to like the battle of New York and you see that the, uh, like the ancient one and like the, uh, the, uh, the sorcerers and stuff like that were actually there fighting. We, we just never saw them at the time, but that she does that visual, right? It's like, this is the timeline. And I, I, I guess maybe just cause I'm a visual person. This is the timeline. You're splintering this off. I can't have you have all these things splinter off and have multiple different timelines. Um, so it's an interesting way to do that, but then come back and like undo all the stuff that they did before. Well, and, they, and making very specific rules for how time travel works. Yes. I mean, having Professor Hulk literally spell it out for everybody. Right. Uh, was one of the few times where they had, uh, you, you know, like very blunt exposition dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they did it in a funny way, especially having Professor Hulk, which, by the way, I I heard a lot of fan theories that Professor Hulk was coming, right, and I right. and I was doubtful. I was still doubtful. But there you go. There he was. Of course, no, they... he's great. Um, I I thought there was a there was a, the right amount of fan service and stuff like that. I liked that the Hulk was there. I liked, um, like I mean, the final moments are like of, of some of my favorite stuff. But uh, I liked the pairings that they went with. I liked. Uh, I loved them going back to the the old scenes. Uh, but to bring it back, it's so weird that they they choose like Guardians of the Galaxy, like beloved by most Marvel fans. They go back to the first Avengers, beloved by most Marvel fans, and then Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> that that's the movie that they decided to go back to to uncover the ether. Um, which but is it's kind a of great the only, scene. Only options they have, but it's like weirdly. Like it kind of makes me like Dark World just a touch more, <laughs> not not enough to like really love that movie. But it's well, like it, it it helped one of your problems where it kind of helped establish a little bit more about the mom, yeah, and why it was so hard that she died. Jean Russo has more lines in this film than she did in all of the Thor films put together. Did you just call her Jean Russo? Did I? What? What? Oh my god! <laughs> Renee Russo. Renee Russo. <laughs> Who am I thinking of? Jean Russo. I have no idea. Yeah, Rene Russo, uh, which is like, what a way to underutilize a great talent like that where she was never given much to do. I mean, so much so that when she says, like, I was raised by witches, I'm like, oh, really? That's cool. I never knew that. <laughs> I'm glad that you never never told us about that in all the Thor mythology. But it was, I, I really liked the things that they chose to show and not show because they never showed Rocket actually getting the ether. No. They just show him screaming that he got it, and he's being chased do, by everybody. Was, do you think that was just stock footage that they had, like it was, that, or footage directly from Thor: The Dark World that they kind of edited over with Natalie Portman, or do you think they le- legitimately got Natalie Portman to come back for one day to like pretend that she was asleep? Well, the fact that they, when there's the stuff that was honestly to goodness shot mm-hmm. for this movie, they didn't show her face. Right. So there's a good argument that you might be right. But right. I can also see Natalie Portman not being that much of a jerk not to come back. But well, then again, she was at the Mar- premiere, so it's not like she's like anti these movies or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. And I and I can't imagine Kevin Feige being so spiteful yeah. that he wouldn't ask her back. Right. Um I think now, with yeah. Edward Norton, of course, they would do that. Yeah, probably. Uh I mean I think it all comes down to like those final scenes, right? Like this is what I liked is like it's been like the slow, methodical, a couple of action scenes here and there, but really a lot of like contemplative nature. Them figuring out that 
what where the all the Infinity Stones were. I love that because it's like, oh yeah, we as the audience know this, but obviously they don't know this. They probably don't didn't sit around and talk about this and some of them don't even know what infinity stones are because they never yeah. came into those movies so uh, i just like the fact that they, they they acknowledge that but it all leads up right to thanos in the past coming in there and being like no what i'm going to do now is get this infinity gauntlet i'm going to snap my fingers and i'm going to erase everybody and i'm going to build this over from scratch it's like how, oh, how they made Jesus. it so that that thanos knew the plan yeah. was brilliant Oh yeah, that that uh, Nebula has like her own special network of like a Wi-Fi network that she's on, which I'm sure that's so that if he, she ever gets out of control, like Thanos might be able to control her mm-hmm. and locate um, her and torture her more. But I think yeah, exactly. I think that's all handled well. I, I love that it, there's a lot of show and not tell in in this movie too, which is like we see like those scars and that he's limping like Thanos is limping in the, those first 15 minutes. So destroying the stones take a lot of power. All right. And then when, when Hulk originally puts on the stones to snap, to bring everyone back, like it takes a lot out of him. And even at the end, he's like in a sling still, even in the, in the Hulk state. Yeah. Um, so we know when Tony puts those stones on and decides I'm going to do this, it's like, okay, well, this is probably literally your final moments then. Cause we've seen two of the most powerful characters be taken out. Well, We're almost once, taken out. When I when I saw um, the look on Doctor Strange's face when he finally tells Tony, "This is the one," mm-hmm. the look on on Doctor Strange's face is like, "Oh, this is it. This mm-hmm. is the death of Tony Stark." And that's what Tony's been building up to. This is what's so brilliant is that even from the original Avengers film, like this has all been leading back from that moment. Like he decides to sacrifice himself in Avengers, um, and continually tries to do so. Uh, but now is confronted like, well, I have to, like, I, like I have to, uh, or else he's gonna win. And I, I, I don't know. That, that, that's one of the moments where I, that whole, the whole sequence of Tony doing that, lying there, knowing that this is like this is the end of Tony Stark, and then both Pepper and uh, Peter's reactions to that, it killed me. Like that's the the time that I teared up. Well, when uh, oh, by the way, well, first let me say one thing, then I'll say the next thing. Um, this is the first and only time that Peter Parker said Tony. Right. Which I thought was great. But my whole theater was crying yeah. when when RDJ died. My whole theater. It was like not sobs or anything, but everybody was sniffing. Everybody was wiping their eyes. It was insane. Yeah. And honestly, I thought, well, I thought that sequence was so brilliant is that there's that moment, right, where Cap Shield is broken in half. Uh, and he's bleeding and he stands up and then he sees all these ships appear and all these like monsters are about to come out. And he's like, well, I'm going to fight because that's what I do, right? Like I'm a superhero. I'm going to fight until my dying breath and I'm Captain America and that's what I'm going to have to do. Uh, and then when all of those like portals start opening, I'm like, yes, like this, those scenes of like every single person we've seen over the last 11 years show up. Like, that's the point where I wanted the Warriors three to show up. Like, that would have been a cool moment had they not just killed them off in Ragnarok. Like, yeah, those would have been cool moments to have seen um, in in uh, in the theater and stuff like but that. It, but it was, it was incredible. Like people I, I felt like people were starting to get like cheered out because yeah. every time they revealed a new character, the whole audience would, yeah. 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 They're like, yeah. Um, I honestly okay. thought that that Enough is, yes. I, oh. I, and I, and I went, went into the film believing that Captain America was going to die in this final battle. I honestly thought that was what was going to happen. Um, but then it was Tony that did. Um, 
and then yeah we go and see tony's funeral and like that's the cap off we started with iron man and we're kind of ending with the iron man story kind of closing the loop here uh with his daughter i thought the scene with uh, john favreau like happy and his daughter talking about cheeseburgers was good i teared up again in that conversation i was like oh yeah that's great so i'm hoping that they still involve some of these other characters uh even if they're not the major ones um i think it's very clear um actually before i get into that final point any last things that you want to say about well, with the with the cheers right everybody mm-hmm. cheering i was the only person that either knew or cared enough to cheer when uh, the kid from Iron Man 3 was at the funeral. See, I didn't know that's who it was. Like, I was like, is that the kid from Iron Man 3? Like, I was pretty sure, but it's like he's grown up a lot since uh, since then. Yeah. Um, Where would you rate it? Where would you, you put it on your list? Oh, Three. wow. Okay. I have put it as number eight. So Spider-Man Homecoming right above it, and then Age of Ultron right underneath it. Uh, again, it's only after one viewing. I think that it might like infinity war bump up higher after i see it a second time but that's where i'm i feel comfortable putting it right now well the the reason why i have it so high is because of the fact that they were able to surprise me so much Mm -hmm. and i talk about this all the time that movies don't really surprise me anymore right (laughs) you know there's you know there's reasons why things get made you know i knew everybody was going to be snapped back yeah but i didn't know how they were going to get into the fight right right and when that one portal opened, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to get a couple people. Yeah, we're going to get, we're okay. Honestly, I was like, okay, here comes Doctor Strange. Cool. But then, no, yeah. it was like everyone starts coming. But imagine, imagine how they had to coordinate that. Like, Doctor Strange was like portaling, he was portaling around oh, yeah. that entire fight going, guys, hello. Okay. Let's go, let's go. And like we the entire Wakandan army like shows up, like, like they had everyone. Um, oh, and then there's the one important scene. Uh, well, there's two, oh, two things. So, yeah, we should end off with that, which is like how Captain America decides to return all the stones back to their timelines and Mjolnir back to its timeline. Yeah, uh, I love the, uh, that scene with him holding the hammer, though. It's like money shot for me. I loved it. Um, oh, and, and uh, Thor demanding that he gets his uh, axe back and he can have the little one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thought it was bittersweet. I mean, I like the fact that he decided, you know what? Like, there's enough heroes now that I don't have to come back. I'm, I'm leaving it in good hands. I can go and live this life that was taken from me. And I just thought that was so sweet. It's like, yeah, you're able to go and live your life. Just go and marry the girl you love and just like live. <laughs> and now the, what, what bears a question, do we have Steve Rogers kids somewhere in the universe? Um, I, I'm guessing so. Yeah, so we'll have to explore that going forward. But I liked how it just ended would... off in the dance and then that, that old-timey <laughs> song just played over the beginning of the credits and stuff. I thought that was all well done. And I'm happy, actually, too, that they did not have any post credit sequences. I think it wasn't needed. You needed this to be like, no, this is its own thing. This is the end, and we're going to move on. Sorry, well, the Russo the brothers one. are like, we made them sit here for three hours. Let's not make them sit through the credits. Right. I still did, just so I could watch it to completion. Oh, but there was something after the credits. It was uh, oh, there was a sound. The clanging sound of the... So, have you heard about the theories on that? Well, I just think it was uh, like a 21-gun salute to Iron oh, Man. Oh, that's personally what I think, too. It's just a an audible callback to the original Iron Man, like hammering a suit. Uh, some people believe that that is his daughter creating a new iron suit for herself. But um, I, I will believe it when I see it personally. But uh, the, the scene that I actually wanted to bring up uh, was when all the women were like, we're yeah, going to yeah. fuck this up. 
And it was like, you know, in, in Independence Day where the president's like, you know, crazy Randy Quaid has got the only right. rocket left. Yeah. And they're like, let's mow the or plow the field or plow the road or something like that. You know, and they the three planes go in front of Randy and they just start blowing up all the ships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I felt like. They have, you know, Marvel has the, the gauntlet and all the women are just like, now let's plow the field. Yeah, no, I liked it too. I've, I've again heard some pretty big criticisms of that scene specifically, but I don't know. I was pandering. on board with it. Yeah, pandering is the biggest one, which no, I mean, but, it, it is, but I mean, I don't know. It didn't bother imagine me. Imagine all the little girls that saw that and said yes. Yeah. Um, you got to see it from different perspectives. It's just like when I walked out of Wonder Woman and this little girl was like, she's just like me. Right. And I'm just like, yeah, it's exactly right. She is just like you. Yeah. You, you know, it's not pandering. It's just that it didn't touch you in a way. And everybody has to complain about things that seem too politically correct nowadays. Right. It's just like, oh, whatever. whatever. Shut the fuck up. Um, First swear word of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> of our two-hour podcast by the looks of it. Um, so I, just going forward, I mean, Spider-Man is our next one. I hope that apparently that this it's supposed to deal with some of the fallout of Endgame, which I hope it does. Well, and, um, and, and I think the first scene of Spider-Man is going to be him hugging and uh, his best no his best friend okay i think that's gonna be like that last scene when or when he went mm. back to high school is literally the that, first scene of the movie i think it's gonna be the first scene of the movie yeah yeah um so i'm excited to see see where this goes i'm just excited to see it i i, I think i bring up peter parker and spider-man because i think it is very obvious based on cues in this movie and a couple of the previous ones that whereas tony stark was really like the centerpiece of this first saga I feel that Spider-Man is going to be the centerpiece of the next. Like, that's what it's supposed to be. Well, the way that they're releasing movies is brilliant. They had Infinity Wars, and then they released Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. Like, massive movie. Little small one. Little small one. And so they do Endgame, and now they're going to release Far From Home, which isn't like a little small one, but it's definitely more down-to-earth. They have yeah. a simple villain in Mysterio, and whatever the elementals are doing, I don't even know what's going on with that yeah, yet. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what's going on. But, I mean, uh, what I like about that is that in probably nine years from now, I'll be equally as crying when they kill off Spider-Man finally. Like, that's like I feel like that's kind of the stuff that they're building up to be. Like, he is going to be as integral to all these storylines as Tony Stark was to the, the, this first part. Um, what that actually entails, I don't know. Uh, do you have theories about what you think the next saga is going to be? Well, I mean, I think that now that they've unleashed this time travel situation, mm -hmm. I, I think that's going to pop up on somebody's radar. Sure. And that guy's name is King the Conqueror. Uh, interesting. You and it's I are interestingly very much aligned. <laughs> <laughs> because I think it's like when, when, when they do something that kind of disturbs the universe. Yeah. I think that it, I think Kang feels it and he's like, what's going on back there? Yeah, I think that that is uh, so astute. Um, I have a, a, a option B, which maybe maybe not. It's not the overall saga, but it'll probably play a big part. I honestly think they're going to do something with the scroll invasion as well. They've introduced that concept that they can shapeshift and look like anyone that they want to. Uh, so, yeah, it's either going to be. uh. I always want to say Krang, Kang, Kang the Conqueror, <laughs> um, and uh, and the Scroll Invasion. One of those two, or if not both of them, are going to play like this huge uh, 
piece of the puzzle as we go forward, I think. I also think it's very interesting that Marvel has not said what movies are coming out. They have not said anything past this year what is well, on no, there, their release there schedule. There is one. There's a Chang, Sh- Chang-Chi, right. whatever uh, the no, word is. I, oh, my gosh. Now, you, you said that, and now you've confused me. But, yeah, the uh, the martial arts superhero. So I, I'm totally on board for that. I want to see more of that in my face. Um, and there's, there's rumors about, like, who, because it, it looks like they're what they're probably working themselves up to be. Like, the next, quote-unquote, Avengers movie will probably be, like, either the new Avengers, which was a whole comic book storyline, um, or the young Avengers. Like they could go either way with, yeah, the, with the, the boy titles. from, with the boy from, uh, Iron Man three and mm-hmm. Sadie from Ant-Man. Yeah, exactly. hundred um, percent. I, I, there's another thing that would be interesting too, is if all of a sudden, because they can do this now, silver surfer showed up. Oh, I think, well, now that they've bought the rights and stuff, well, not only Silver Surfer, so my I had the bold prediction that it was going to happen in this movie, but then after I watched the movie, I was like, oh, I'm glad that there's no after credit sequence. I'm going to mark it in the sand, okay? I am marking it right now. You are here to observe me, and you can ridicule me all you want. Um, I am putting out there that I know what the end, the after credit sequence is going to be in the Spider-Man film, or what I hope it is, I guess. But I'm pretty, I'm going to, I'm, I'm 70% confident. Okay, what is it? So... Uh, what was, what was kind of the subplot for Happy in the first Spider-Man film? What was he doing? Uh, he was just the driver. Right. And, but, but what was he doing in the Spider-Man movie? Oh, he was moving all the stuff to right. the uh, Avengers headquarters. So Avengers Tower is completely empty, which means that there has to be new owners for that building coming in, you would think, right? Oh, Baxter building. You're Baxter building, bastard. 100%. I think that the after credit sequence is going to be like this. Uh, essentially, I'll, I'll, I'm going to role play, but it's like he's coming back from Europe. Uh, Aunt May has picked him up, and she's going to be like, "Oh, like how was your vacation?" And he's like, "Oh, it was cool. Not much happened. Uh, that sort of thing." Although she kind of knows he's Spider Man, but it's like, and she would have saw the news. Yeah, so it's probably an eventful time over there. It's like, yeah, I'm glad I'm back to be home. It's like what's no, happening. I'm, I'm sure he. The first thing he would tell her is, "I met Nick Fury." Right, right, or something. Anyways, but a little, little patter back and forth. And then she'll be like, "Oh, there's a, they're they're uh, redoing the the Avengers building," and the old pie see a little bit of sadness in his face, thinking of Tony. And he's gonna look up, and it's gonna be like a number four, uh, being put up on the side of the building, yeah. and that's it. I, and then I think that's, you're wrong. I think that's what's gonna happen. Um, I, think, I don't think they're gonna show up in the in the next phase. Oh, I think 100 percent the Fantastic th- Four is showing up in the next phase. I I think. Well, I mean, not the next, I mean, the next saga, probably, yeah, yeah, but not the next phase. Okay, well, that's where you and I differ. I think that the Fantastic Four are coming very quickly. Also, another wild speculation theory, uh, early on in Endgame, there's that scene where Natasha, we didn't actually talk about Natasha dying, which I was kind of bummed about, because I really wanted... Well, I was going to say that was one of my favorite scenes, was their it, fight. It was a great scene, but I know that they've been thought they were working on a Black Widow movie, and I didn't want that to be a prequel. I wanted that to be literally like what was happening in present day, but it doesn't look like that's what it's going to be. Um, but we'll see. Well, you more know, I always, on I always that. wanted Budapest. So yeah. Anyways, I was going to say in that scene where she's at the desk and she's talking to like the three like holograms and stuff like that. Uh, the 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 woman from Wakanda says like, "Oh, there was like this huge like disturbance in the underwater." Uh, and it's like, oh, we should investigate that. It's like, it's an earthquake. It's like, well, maybe we should still investigate it. It's like, it's an earthquake, Natasha. Like, let's let it go. 100%, I'm, I'm guessing that's a Neymar, uh, 
illusion that's going to come back. Yeah. Well, the, the, the fun thing about Namor is uh, he's, he's a villain. He's a hero. He's a villain. He's a hero. He's yeah, an anti-hero. He he's a villain. Yeah, yeah. He's all over the place. And he has a huge love crush on, uh, oh my gosh, Invisible Woman, um, Susan Richards. Yeah. Uh, so I think that could play really interestingly as they go forward. I say that, here's again, bold prediction, bold prediction. I say that Fantastic Four, not the not the actors or anything, just like that a little illusion with the number four uh, shows up in Spider-Man. I say that Namor gets name-checked or is an after-credit sequence in the next Black Panther movie. Well, I, the thing, I'm, I'm going to say that my only bold prediction is that Silver Surfer is going to show up before sure. the Fantastic Four. Right. I like, yeah. I'm just, I just want to know what the next SAG is going to be, honestly. Uh, I, I'd like to, I think here in like. We're um, not going to know for like eight years. No, no. I mean, I, I, I just think in the next three weeks, Marvel is probably going to start to come out and be like, okay, next two years, these are the movies that are coming out. Because I still think it's weird that they have not told us what some of the movies that are going to be released past this year are going to be. Oh, and it's funny that um, that obviously at the end of Endgame at the funeral, it's like obviously uh, Nick Fury knows P- Peter Parker Spider-Man because he's standing right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Nick Fury was also in the back, kind of just being in the back. Yeah, but he's like, stuff. obviously, he knows. All right, well. Which kind of ruined that moment from the, the trailer of, of Spider-Man Far From Home. Right, right. <laughs> uh, whatever. Um I'm looking forward to it. I'm a big Marvel fanboy, so of course I love talking about this stuff. Thanks for uh, potting with me. It's been a while. I don't know when the next one will be, but uh, here's two hours of goodness in your in your podcast feed, everyone. So enjoy that. Um, well, I'm Grant, guessing that we'll you know we'll probably be doing uh, Spider-Man something or other. Maybe. I hope so. Um, Grant, how could people find you online? Uh, Twitter.com slash Fejimans, F-E-J-I-M-A-N-Z, or Z, depending upon what country you're in. And I'm at the Kyle Marshall. That's uh, with two L's in Marshall. Um, Are there Marshalls with one L? Yes. I've, I've, I've seen, I, well, I've seen them online, I guess. I've never met a one-armed Marshall in real life. But I do know they exist. But it's just like people that are naming their kids, yeah. you know, like Christy with an I instead yeah. of a Y. Can, can I say that the other bold thing that I really want, which is never going to happen in a million years, but I would be a thousand percent on board if they tried to do another Howard the Duck movie. <laughs> I think I think that would just be like the biggest, like, let's swing for the fences. This movie that bombed for George Lucas back in the 80s or early 90s. Well, as long as, as long as he doesn't fuck Leah, Leah Thompson. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, don't have duck boobs. But it was uh, the... Uh...